listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Are you guys excited about part four for Church in the Wild? Can I hear a little bit of noise? Yeah, I, um, I was getting ready to take a trip a couple of weeks ago, and I'm loading up this RV that Kai and I have, and, you know, we've never taken a trip in this RV before, so it's, it's a huge deal, you know, like, we've got to put everything in there, and we're like, oh my gosh, we need towels, you know, like, so we're, we're, we're like, everything's occurring to us at once, and we don't have anybody in our family that we're, we're RV people, we're first generation, and I am straight up Clark Griswold, okay, I'm just going to tell you. Literally on our playlist, I had the song Holiday Road, and we played it on repeat. All of the kids, including my baby Vera, which turns one on Monday, she would sing the, yeah, isn't that awesome? She sings the O's. You know how it goes like, oh, like Vera's going, ah, right? And so I'm trying to load up this RV, and while we're doing it, we have a very useful distraction. We have our kids watching Paw Patrol. I don't think it'll win an Emmy, but, but listen... It just helps. And so, uh, so they're watching that, and we're going to time. It was hours, okay? Well, finally, we get to the spot where it's like, okay, we need to go shower, shave, get ready, get the kids ready. We're like, kids, come on. It's time. We, we want you to get in the bath. Let's go. And they're like, oh, we just we want to do something fun. We want to go swimming. It's like, well, you're not going swimming right now. That's not what we're doing, you know? And, and Aurelio's like, listen, we want to watch Paul Patrol. We're halfway through an episode, so this really isn't right. And Aurelio is a trial lawyer, Okay, Aurelio's going to say, well, actually, you said that we could watch this, you know, and he'll use his evidence against you. And, and so I'm trying to, like, coax the kids to do it, and neither do they know, because we've never been on one of these trips before, that we're going to go for the time of our life. We're going to go to some of these RV parks. they got all kinds of pools and lazy rivers and fun, and, and, and we're going to watch all kinds of movies on the road. It's going to be a riot. But I'm having to pry these kids off from the couch. Like, let's go. And then they start blowing up. There's nothing so nice in your life than a four-year-old being up in your grill telling you you're wrong, you know? <laughs> Sobering moment. And, and so we're trying to get them going, and they don't get that, that listen, you sitting on the couch is not going to be the thing that, that gets you the most fun. I know how to have fun. Like, oh, my gosh, I became my father. You know what I said? I said, I've been your age. You've never been mine. Oh, Phil, I know you're looking at me when I say that. And so I'm prying them off the couch to do it. Eventually, they got ready, and we had a great time. But listen, I believe God's calling us off the couch. I believe some of us are going, "Mm, no, 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 it's comfortable here. I like this program. I like this rhythm and routine. Don't don't try to push me too far, Pastor. You don't understand. Y'all are getting up in my grill and God's grill because because it's hard, isn't it, to get out of comfort, to get out of something that's familiar. And I believe that God is calling us out of the comfortable. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 11. I want to give you some context about a story that we're going to read. It's about a man named Abram. He eventually became Abraham, and he had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So anybody know what I'm talking about, or you think that I'm just going, okay. And, and Abram, later Abraham, 
is, is later called the father of faith. Incredible story of following God. But to understand his story, you actually have to go back one generation to his father. God shows up and interrupts his father and his whole family's narrative. Genesis chapter 11, I'm going to start reading in verse 31. One day, Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son, Abram's wife, and his grandson, Lot, his son, Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. So, the God of the universe comes to Terah, Abram, later Abraham's father, and says, listen, I've called you to leave the land of Ur, and, and pause for a second, party foul, who names the city Ur? That's a lot. I don't know how that happens. Like the first municipal meeting of the city that we're going to name, and everyone's like, so what are we going to name it? And you get just the old town vagrant in the back, and he goes, Ur, like that, and like, perfect, you know? I don't know. I don't know how they do these things. And so God is saying, listen, I need you to go to Canaan. The vision is Canaan. Leave Ur, go to Canaan. And they get up, and they take these first steps toward it, but they stop in Haran. And the Bible doesn't tell us why they stop in Haran. There's no information. I don't know if they had better schools there, uh, if they had a great infrastructure in Haran, maybe low taxes. That's enough. I mean, like, you know, but, but whatever it was, it was comfy. And so they stopped. And, and, and God says, leave Ur, go to Canaan. But when they get to Haran, they're just uh, taken by it and they settle. And, and Terah didn't just settle for a moment. The Bible says he settled for the rest of his life. He died in the place that he settled. Now watch this. God wants to do something amazing in this family. And they took a step, but for a reason we don't know, they stopped and settled. And, and so then Terah, or Terah dies and Abram becomes the patriarch of this family. Pick it up next chapter, Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country. Stop, y'all look at me. Had said? No, 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 no. God, you said that to my dad. Right, God calls families. Okay? That's why those prodigals that run, run though they may, they end up in the front row at New Chapel, don't they? <laughs> Why? God calls families. And God called Abram right along with his dad. Incredible. This is not a typo. He's God, God Almighty is saying, it's still you that I've called. Don't think that there's a different call, even though your dad compromised. Wow. God is resurrecting vision in Abraham. And it's like, and I think of it from my perspective. I can almost hear this. It's not written, but it's like, okay, Abram, you've seen people in your family. Take a step for God and stop. Take some ground and then pull back all of a sudden. You've seen generations that have done a little bit, but that's too far. I don't want to go and do that business. And what he's saying is I'm calling you in your generation. Pedigree for God is both of high importance and meaningless at the same time. He wants to deal with you as an individual. Wow. And he's calling him out of comfort. He's calling him out of normalcy toward a vision. That's what's going on. So it continues. Verse 1. The Lord had said, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, 
and go to a land that I will show you. At this moment, Abram is faced with a huge choice. Is he going to sit back in this land that is settled in comfort, in in, uh, something that is familiar and regular and to be expected? He's got a rhythm. Or is he going to get up and go? And don't underestimate the magnitude of what this is. This wasn't going from, you know, Granville up to Cedar Rock. This is in antiquity where traveling was very difficult. This is, this is a huge move. This is also Abram who's at the apex of his wealth so far. He's rich. He's rich grandpa. Why didn't I have a rich grandpa? You know, Abram was loaded, had a ton of money, and still God had a plan for more. And the only way that it was ever going to happen is if he made the decision, the choice to get up and go to the land that God was showing him. And I believe, friends, that that same choice that Abram faced is dropped in our lap every single day. What are you going to do with it? It's dropped in people's lives. Eventually, you'll live in the decisions you make today, right? It's in your lap every day, but oftentimes it comes with these big crossroads where it's like, are you going to do A or B? Are you going to follow God or stay in comfort? Sometimes that lines up. Sometimes it does not. What will you do? And I believe that God is calling Abram to greater. I know it. I believe God is calling all of us to greater things. I heard people last year, all through the year, I just can't wait until this year's over. Here we are, over halfway through 2021. The same people are angry still. What if we made this year what it needs to be for God and stop following all the patterns of the world? What if we trusted him? And so God is showing him this dare to get up of what life could be if you don't settle. I want to give you five thoughts today on what it means when you don't settle. Write it down. Number one, five realities of not settling. Number one, not settling is risky. (laughs) There is a risk to it. Did you catch it in verse one? He says, leave and go to the land I will show you. What? There's no like map. I, I, I knew before you wanted us to go to like Ur or whatever, but like, Canaan, or like, tell me where I'm going. No, listen, I got this. I'll show you. Talk about faith. Talk about vague. Abram is so wealthy, and and he's in this familiar spot, 75-year-old man, and God's telling him, hey, uproot everything with your livelihood and go to a place I'll show you. This is a huge risk for him personally. And friends, I'm going to tell you, it's always a risk when God asks us to do something great, how about just outside of the kingdom of God? If you're going to become anything great in your life, there's a risk in stretching yourself for more, isn't there? There, there, there is a risk when you leverage some money on the table to start a business or start an endeavor or build a house or do something great. It causes you to come out of your comfort zone to do that great thing. But, but listen, this weekend, God is calling many of us out of that out of the familiar, to allow ourselves to walk with him in a way we never have. This is our time. There's more. We need to say in our hearts, even though it feels risky, God, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I do know you, and I do trust you. Can I hear an amen, New Chapel? Come on, somebody. 
Number two, write this down. Five realities of not settling. Number two, not settling. It's exciting. Yeah, there's risk, but do you know what it's like when, when you're, man, this is risky, but it feels like there's ginger ale in your skull and in your chest, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and you're excited about what you're doing. It says this in verse 2, God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Like, if you take this dare, if you step out, it's not for nothing. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be so blessed, like, oh my gosh, is this really going to pay off? Is this really good? You know what I'm saying? Like, like is this really going to pan out the way that I thought? <laughs> and, and, and it makes you bubbly and excited about what it could be. And the, the, the promise is not I'm just going to bless you and, 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 and that's it. Or just bless your kids or grandkids or your family or like I'll help out your HOA or something. He says, through you, Abram, all the nations of the world will be blessed. I'm sure that perked up this old man's ears. Like, what? Sometimes it takes a little bit. My dad had me when he was 47. And, you know, older men measure their strength a little differently. They don't get excited about the things that young guns do. If they're aware that they should be excited, they'll be like, yeah, let's go get, you know, but like they really gauge those type of things. It's a different stage of life. Yeah. And so for, for Abram to get excited about this is a big deal. You know, following Jesus is exciting. It is so exciting. The devil has lied to so many people, even in the room, that if you become a Christian, you will be the church lady from SNL, like Dana Carvey called. You know what I mean? Like you are going to be boring and not have any fun. I'm here to tell you, nobody parties like church people. I have more fun since accepting Christ than I ever did in the world. In the world, we would save up money because we'd be planning to buy a whole bunch of booze and stupid stuff to go have a party. And I got to tell you, I've been accused of drinking before when all I was was slap happy. Like I just, I'm telling you, as a born-again believer, I'm happy. I have a fun time with my life. My kids think I'm fun, you know? Like, like listen, it's not boring. And some of you have had excitement for Jesus in the past, and you've let that go. I'm believing God that this weekend that excitement gets ignited in your life again today. That you don't have to leave here and, 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 and serve God just out of obedience. You can serve God because you're excited about the things that he's doing in your life. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Number three, write it down. Five realities of not settling. Not settling means responsibility. Oh, Yeah. Like, listen, it, it is risky, and that comes with a little excitement, but it's also paired with something we need to do, something in our hand, responsibility. God's calling Abram out of the land of familiar. This is what it says in verse 2. I'll bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing to others. So it is exciting what he's hearing. It's an exciting faith journey. Make no bones about it. But listen, God wants to bless you for sure you, but he also wants to bless you to be a blessing to other people. He wants to take care of your needs for sure so that you can be a witness of how good a heavenly father takes care of the needs of his kids. Does that make sense? God wants to use his blessing, yes, for you, but not just for you. He wants to leverage it for other people. And Abraham's thinking like, for me? Yeah, for everybody, the whole world. Literally, this guy, it was all channeling through him. Can I challenge you with this? It's the same for all of us. 
that God wants to bless us. He wants to build your life up. He wants to put your feet on the rock. Some of you guys lived such a shaky life, such a life that was rolling dice, such a life where your, your home, can I put it this way, your livelihood was just built on sand, wishy-washy. Sometimes it was taken away from you by decisions you didn't make. God wants to change all of that, bless you, put you on a firm foundation so other people can see it as a witness and so you can bless other people through you. Can I hear an amen? And God has wildly blessed us in that way. You know, my father-in-law, Pastor Eric, he is out in Timbuk3, which if you don't know where that is, it's beyond Timbuk2. He's in Pakistan, just south of Afghanistan. It's hot. I don't know, 110, 120 degrees. They say, if you're not willing to go, send. I'll send. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go there. That's a lot, you know. He didn't even know these things were brewing uh, politically. But he goes there, and in Pakistan, you know, don't think it's an insult if you hear on the news somebody say that they're living in the 7th century. That's not a dig. Um, Pakistan and certain parts of India, Afghanistan, People go, they, they don't have toilets in their house, most. And they go out to the street. They ain't wearing any BVDs underneath those robes. You know what I'm saying, everybody? <laughs> and they go out to the street and defecate on the street. You know what I'm saying? And these people, I mean, they just, they're living in filth, and they have this oppressive religion, which, listen to me, every time I see those coexist bumper stickers, I think, uh, that's not for me. I'm playing nice with everybody. Let me tell you something about Islam. Quiet, but it's good. There's no such thing as other gods. There's no such thing as other faiths or religions. There's God Almighty expressed in three, and then there's demons. You hear me? The Muslim, the person that practices Islam. It's a demonic religion. Well, they have some morality that lines up with us, Pastor Joe. Yeah, the devil has a lot of great things to give you too, mixed with a little poison. That's how we kill rats, you know? Can we just elevate ourselves above that a little? Hear me now. I'm not saying that we go and bash them or bully them or make fun of them or say cross words about them or even demean what they believe. I think we have a better shot by loving them. However, understand that religion has kept them in the seventh century, since the seventh century. It's oppression like you can't imagine. And I'm gonna tell you something. Pastor Eric has gone through the ringer over there. Now they've had incredible success, but I'm telling you they face the most demonic uh, um, fireworks they've ever seen in all of it. They've had to go into hiding a couple times because they thought they were being followed, and they were. So listen to me. When I say all those things, here's what I mean. You live in the United States of America. As frustrating as some things can be, this is still the city on a hill. You are the richest people that have ever walked the face of this earth. You are living today. Oh, Pastor Joe, I just live in an apartment or a shack or a trailer. Well, listen, I lived in a trailer for a little bit when I was growing up. I'm not casting shade on you. But you up in that trailer live so much better than royalty did 100 years ago. 
you rich if you broke in Michigan. You know what I'm saying? United States, you're rich. And so we need to have a perspective with all of this. I'm not saying if you've got a budget to survive, you need to cash it in and give it all the way to the poor. God wants to take care of you first, then to be a blessing. Amen? But here's what I am saying. I've known a lot of people with very little money, but a lot of dignity. And those people were generous, like some of the rich people I've seen never could even come close to. And they'd have you in for dinner. And I tell you what, I was welcomed in for dinner, eating boiled dinner, which is delicious, but it's cheap. <laughs> and ate that in humility, thinking, oh, God, if I ever judge these people, forgive me. You hear what I'm saying, everybody? We're blessed to be a blessing. If God can get it through you, he can get it to you. Be a conduit for the glory of God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Number four, write this down. Number four, uh, five realities of not settling. Not settling invites God's protection and God's provision into our life. Now, in my holy imagination, I imagine uh, Abraham, Abram and his wife, a Sarai, and they're sitting on their porch. And they got those rockers from Cracker Barrel. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just sitting on the porch. And they're out there looking at the view. 75-year-old man. You know what I mean? He's old. He care less. You know what I mean? He woke up late that day. And he's got a little bit of sweet tea and lemonade before they ever called it an Arnold Palmer. They called it an Abraham. You know what I mean? He's just sitting back with his baby. And listen, at this point in the story, they never had kids. So they must have felt like they were 35 years old. Okay, like they're just, they're rich. They would have been on antiquity's version of cribs. He lives in a mansion. He has servants. Like life's good. Life is going so good. And God shows up and says, that's great, but this ain't it. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. Oh, why is Afghanistan in the seventh century? Keep on cursing Israel in saying that your God is real. I'll read it again. I'll bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. you got to love this. God is proactive, and he's for you. He's for his kids. God is much more loyal to you than you might even believe. Those people giving you a hard time, talking smack about you, casting shade on you, fighting you at work, fighting you and your family, spreading lies about you, gossiping about you, God is far more loyal. In fact, one of them tried to reach out to me today from another life, this person that calls himself a friend, but really, behind closed doors, he doesn't know everything that I know about his behavior. You know the amazing thing about this person? He's in the seventh century of his life, and God ain't going to bless him till he repents to Job Evelacqua and makes it right. God is, yeah, there should have been more because some of you are in a similar situation. God is loyal. He's loyal. He knows love like you can't even imagine, everybody. And so God is trying to say, if you take this dare, step out, refuse to settle in your heart, I'm going to protect you and provide for you like you could never imagine. Understand, friend, it might feel risky, but the reality is if you're in the center of the will of God, it's actually safe and protected. There's a divine protection that comes when we dare to obey God's word and not settle in our heart. Write this down. When we step out for God, we step under his protection. 
when you step out for him, when you obey that next step that he has in front of you, when you step out for God, you actually step under his protection, and it feels counterintuitive, doesn't it? It feels like if I take this step, I'm going to be exposed. I'm going to lose everything. If I stand up for my faith at my job, if I say this isn't right, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to get burnt. But if you don't bow, you won't burn. That's what I've learned. And so, friend, listen, it's completely counterintuitive. But when you step out, you go under the umbrella of God Almighty. You gain the covering of your heavenly Father. Wow. You know, there was one time Araya was playing on a playground, and there were some kids that were a little older than him, and I could tell they didn't want to play with them. Fine, so I'm Araya, you go play over here and stuff. But then one of those kids came up and was kind of messing with my kid, and I'm kind of looking over at their dad like, you going to do something about this or not? You know, John, do you know that look? You ever give that look before? Like figure it out type look? And, uh, and he kept on bullying Araya, bullying Araya. And finally, I'm looking at the kid and I said, hey, you need to stop. Like, I don't know what I was going to do. Like, I don't know if I could take your daddy, but I probably could take you. You know, like, that's, that's where I was at. <laughs> Again, reasons why Pastor Joe would end up on the news in the evening. But, but listen, here's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> God takes it so personally. Don't mess with my kids. Don't mess. And he can take the daddy. Amen, somebody? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith. Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He stepped out, but the reality is all the success he had that he thought, this is great. This is great. I remember thinking, man, if I could just have like a really nice recliner and be able to have a big TV and a house and just these basic stuff. I'd be so successful. I'd be so great. You know what's amazing is God stepped into my destiny and said, uh, stuff is not the thing that makes you great. Influencing people for Jesus makes you great. And all the comfort that you have, praise God. I hope you blow up financially and write fat checks to the church. But listen, that is not the apex of success. Hear me now, friend. When you get into this thing with God, he has more for you than what your version and vision of success ever was. Hallelujah. Number five, write it down. Five realities of not settling. Number five, not settling positions us for a greater influence. Greater influence. When you become a person that's uncompromising in this way and you're like, no, listen, I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to compromise in this way. I'm not going to settle. You get set up to a spot where people want to hear what you have to say. What does it say in verse 3? It says, in you all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. God is saying, like, you got a good thing going. That's great. But I want you to know something. If you want your life to matter, if you want a greater act in your life, if you want impact, if you want to do something significant, you have to not settle and live beyond yourself. That's a successful life. That's a significant life. Step out in faith. Step out in obedience. If you'll do that, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What a promise. That, what a promise that it wasn't just limited to his neighborhood, HOA, his kids, that literally God wanted to use him personally to bless everybody. That is very profound. God has that for you. 
Well, how, Pastor Joe? I'm so glad that y'all asked. The only way to see it happen in your life is to not settle. Oh, listen, I'm getting up there in age. I got to make some decisions. Stop settling. That's never a good reason to settle. There's greater influence available. You can't settle. And I'm here this weekend standing up here on this stage. I've come to tell you the same thing that God conveyed to Abraham, which is this. You can't settle. There's more. Hear me. Look at me. Look at me. I love you so much. Pray for you all the time. There's more. Don't sell yourself short. God has greater things you haven't even thought about before. God wants to take you higher. Oh, man, listen, I'm comfortable. Listen, God wants to bless you despite your need for blessing. Some of you guys have put a cork in the blessing of God, and he wants to bless you so much more. Don't you get it, dummy? He wants to go through you. He wants to bless people through. Well, I don't need all that. I just need a quiet and peaceable life. Well, you're quoting a Bible verse. You can live a quiet, peaceable life. I've had a little bit of money, and I've had no money. Let me just tell you, it's always far better to have just a little bit of money in your pocket. And you can bless other people. And listen, even if you feel like you're going through it right now, you're under attack, and, and, and there's a mountain that you're facing. You're going through this awful valley. Listen, you might be going through awful things, but there's a mountaintop experience for you on the other end of all of it. God has not left you because you're going through hard things. Stay the course. Step out. Obey God's word. Don't settle with your future. Don't settle with it. Get off the porch, Abram. Can I put it this way to my kids? Get up off the couch. There's more. I have more. You don't know how to have fun. I've been your age. You've never been mine, right? Genesis 12 and verse 4. This is very profound. Wow. So Abram went as the Lord had told He did it. Abram made the decision. All right, I'm in. My daddy didn't make it that far, but, but listen, I got a good thing going. But listen, you say it's better. I'm in. I'll listen to you. I'll follow you. He did it. And the story is now penned in history. What a profound thing. Uh, the, the, the character Abram gets called the father of faith in the New Testament book of Hebrews in the chapter 11. God changes his name Abram, which literally means exalted father. In other words, it's all, it's all about him, to Abraham, the father of many nations. Yep, I'm going to be dad, but I'm big papa. It's all going through me, everybody. It's, it's very profound. You say, well, Pastor Joe, that's a great story. That's Abraham, the father of faith. It's not me. Un contraire. <laughs> it's you. We think of these Bible heroes as people that are profoundly different than us in every way. They're very conventional lives that we read about. And in fact, there's a very interesting passage. It helped me so much. I believe it'll help you. Let me read it. It's in the New Testament in Hebrews 11, verse 9. Talking about Abraham, it says, By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. What is this saying? Oh, Pastor Joe, listen, nobody in my family, you know, they haven't been really Christians, so if I take this high standard and I communicate it, like, they're going to chip me down, so listen, I'm, I'm just going to keep my, my Christian faith private. Well, there's no such animal, right? 
you have to make friends with the awkward. You have to make your home like a stranger in a foreign country. You've got to go into situations that God's called me here. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. Neither did Abraham. He felt like a stranger the whole time. What am I? His feelings were, God, what are you doing? I don't know. I'll, I'll obey, but the, I don't feel it. But his faith said, you said it. That settles it. I'm going to do God's word in my life. Do you see that? When in your life did you ever feel prepared for the next step? If you did, God bless you. I, it, it, in moments where I said to everybody how prepared I felt, it was 90% at best. I never felt prepared to do any of the great things that God has called me to do. I was 26 years old when I planted this church. I wouldn't let a 26-year-old valet park my car today. <laughs> but God, you told me how to plant this church when I'm 26. Yes, sir. Do you see it? Well, Pastor Joe, you're a great man of faith. I felt like a stranger in a foreign land. What am I doing? Grand Rapids needs another church like they need another hole in their head. This is New Jerusalem. <laughs> what I found was obeying God paid off. There was a lot of religious people here, but not a lot of followers. And that sometimes that makes the hardest soil to break up but it makes some of the best converts and the best stories you'd ever imagine. I'm so glad I obeyed God. I'm so glad beyond how I felt in a hard situation to obey. Think of the times I've had to say no to opportunity. Even people that came in with, with their own vision of how this church should be, and they, it came with a check, and I had to say, God, I hadn't followed purse strings when we started because there wasn't any money. <laughs> I'm not going to start now. And I had to say, no, I'm sorry. If that's tied to your vision, i got to stay focused. i got to do what God has called me to do. But see, listen, if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. And that blessing has come in so many other ways and so many other times. You may feel like a stranger sometimes when you're obeying God because your lineage has not been that way or because it's the first time in your walk with God that you've begun to obey. But listen to me, God will bless you and you'll literally make your home there. In a land that felt strange, all of a sudden, welcome home. Kind of getting used to this. Water's warmer than I thought. I can do this. We can be this. Thought it was so hard and different, but now, God, you can do it through me. Write it down. Feeling ready is a myth. <laughs> the great Olympians that competed, I don't think they were just superstitious. I think they practiced, trained, did everything they possibly could. I think they were indeed ready. I mean, we took gold, baby, like nobody else. But listen, how did they feel? Don't get cocky. You don't know everything. Fight like it's the first time you ever ran or swam. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? And so listen, I've never felt ready when God called me to higher levels, but you can do this. The next step that God has for you is within your capability. We read in Genesis 15 that Abraham's faith, the Bible says, was counted unto him as righteousness. His trust in God, his yes to God Almighty, God says, that's righteous. I'll look at that as right standing. And the family tree of Abraham all of a sudden began to carry royal blood through it. Yeah. Generations later, there would be a man named Jacob. 
<laughs> Later, he'd be renamed to Israel. His 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. 14 generations after Abraham, King David sat on the throne. 14 generations after that, God's people were in captivity. And 14 generations after that, a Nazarene boy walked this earth with sun-tanned skin named Jesus. There was royal blood because Abraham said yes to God. Do you see that? Do you see him? And now 2,000-some years later, we, the followers of God, are grafted in. And that's why when you were a kid, you were singing, Father, why am I singing this? Why is he fi-? It's because he made a covenant with God that made provision for Jesus to be crucified on the same hill that he made covenant with his son Isaac, which made provision for the whole world. The, the, Judaism isn't enough for all the nations of the world to be blessed. The Gentiles, you and I, who accept Christ, are now grafted into this incredible lineage because one man said yes to God. Wow, I'm so thankful he didn't settle. You know, Jesus Christ didn't settle. He came to this earth and he went to the cross because he was determined to be in the center of God's will and so that you and I could be forgiven. Hallelujah. And you know what? We don't even comprehend sometimes what's at stake when we don't settle. You can see the result of Abraham and Jesus. It's shown in history But in your family tree, in your family history, in who you really are going to be in this world, you can change everything. It's a question. Very profound moment. This is hard for some people to hear. Where have you settled? I just want to ask you that question as pastor. Where have you settled? Where have you known that there's better and reasoned your way into something less? than his best, thinking you deserve it, thinking he'll just understand, and blowing off the God of the universe. You know, the interesting thing about Torah is, similar to Stephen in his call, how the Apostle Paul assumed his call in the New Testament, Abraham assumed Torah's call. You would have been singing, Father, Torah had many sons. I mean, you would have been singing that. His call transferred How many of us leave meat on the bone, fruit on the vine of who you could be in this world, and God has to find somebody else who'll say yes. You know, in the course of this church, there's been very talented people who have come through here. But because I take character over talent 10 times out of 10, they don't always stay. Who are you becoming? Where have have you settled? Maybe it's in your mind. Maybe you've just become like checked out in life, checked out around your kids or grandkids. Maybe maybe it's a mind battle where you've lost the ability to become teachable. Your ears aren't perked up anymore to learn new things. Maybe it's financially. Maybe you're not putting God first in your life. Listen to me. Your kids are worth it. Your kids are worth it. Maybe it's in tithes and offerings. Maybe maybe it's giving above and beyond. Maybe it's that you've lost that excitement. We've talked about that, right? God wants to give that back to you. I'm going to pray for you in a moment on that. Maybe it's your spiritual life, and you've settled with it and excused it away, and God Almighty challenges you, and you blew him off and excused it away, and, and you know This north star in your heart is pulling you towards something great. 
but you want to compromise and just get normal back in. Those compromises are so grievously expensive, and God has better things for you, friend. God wants to take you on a dare to trust him no matter what, and on the other end of it, you'll be blessed, and you'll be a blessing to everyone you know. Can I get an amen, somebody? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my church. God, there's people in the sound of my voice. And the devil's trying to shame them right now. I speak against that shame. There's no shame in this room. But they might be convicted by the Holy Spirit that they're settling in an area that they know they can't. God, I pray that that little prick on their conscience would result in an action, that they would make the decision to do something about it that they would make the decision to follow you no matter what the cost is. God, I pray that you would show, have it just rush to their mind. They can't not think about it right now. God, it's right in front of them, that change they gotta make. God, maybe there's somebody that's living in their house, they gotta let them go. Maybe it's somebody that is, is in their friend circle and it's an old friend, but listen, that friend isn't in this season. They're not on that journey. You've got to let them go. Maybe there's a compromise in business. Maybe there's a Jezebel that you're giving room for in your house, and you have to deal with it. Maybe there's a compromise where you're holding back something that you knew God said give, a call, forgiveness to somebody that needs to hear it. God, I pray for people in the sound of my voice who have settled that, God, we're not going to be a church that settles anymore. We're going to not settle for anything but your best. And God, I pray right now for those people that have lost that excitement. The old hymn, Amazing Grace, talks about the hour I first believed. And we know what that is, that excitement. God, I pray that you would resurrect that excitement in people's lives right now by your spirit. God, as they take quality steps towards you, you draw near to those that draw near to you. God, I thank you for that vibrancy, that resurrection life to touch them right now again they'll begin to witness again and invite people to church again and read in the morning and pray when they're alone and take time away from everybody else. There might be a party at the house and they got to turn in early because they're going to go pray and seek God that they'll keep their appointments with you. God, I pray for a revival in our hearts that we would be a church in the wild, wild after you. If there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, God, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ. If you don't have a relationship with God Almighty, the only way to have that is with his only son, Jesus. He made a way. It's you praying and saying, God, I'm not going to be God over my life. I'm going to make Jesus Lord over my life. If you say that, you'll have an eternity in heaven when you die, and you'll avoid a Christless hot hell. Friend, Pray this with me. Church, pray this out loud with those praying it for the first time. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. 
I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Awesome. Praise God. Stand up on your feet, church. Listen, if you prayed that for the very first time, connect with us, whether that's on a connection card or online. Let us know about the decision you made. We want to pray for you by name and also send you some information on next steps. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.